0: This is all in the nature of uh, sankara, patterning and programs, patterning and programs, sankhara. Um, so what this means is that uh, when, we, when we receive input, we hear sounds, where there's an interpretation of what those sounds mean. You know, so something does that, you've got to program it, You know, translates sounds into meanings. Yeah? So bang, sounds frightening. Bang doesn't sound happy. Relaxing, it sounds frightening. You know, so you get something that translates things into meanings. There's a program there. You know, so you probably download it from the internet, switch program translates things into MP3 format whatever it does so you get this kind of thing happens so perceptions are programmed to translate sights, sounds, smiles frowns into friendly unfriendly, hostile sinister, joyful, friend person I know, person I don't know so forth so they get its translation from raw sense data into perceptions so that's a so the mind builds up these programs from very early age when you just know a few, maybe you know mother, father and then you build up this whole directory of different perceptions and meanings. Touch a button, touch one of these meanings, energy start flowing. So you, touch, so you come up with a, uh, a fear perception, the fear, fear juices start flowing. Come up with uh, a desire perception, the desire energies start flowing. Come up with a relaxed perception, the relaxed energies start flowing. happiness juice starts flowing. (laughs) Or at least if you diminish the the fear and the excitement and... uh, Demanding, as a kind of residual quality of well-being, which is slightly different from we might say the happiness of getting and having. It's more like the relief happiness, the ease happiness of not having a program running. Mm. So, with the programs of sankara, and with the aim of uh, one way of defining the aim of Buddhist practice is to understand sankara. Run some good ones, so you're not just continually steering into your dark black holes or negative spaces, you're steering into some bright positive spaces. Start to release, start to undermine the negative programs, start to clean out those negative programs. Not that we shouldn't experience fear when there is something genuinely frightening, but we shouldn't be carrying it around with us continually in a state of anxiety it's far, we can feel saddened by experiences we always sit, we're always walking around in a state of continual depression so what can happen is that these programs get locked either because it's so continual that you never really come out of it you're in a war zone all the time so you're just basically locked into red alert, orange alert fear program hmm? violence program defense, those kinds of things so it gets locked like that by by a sense of you know, that becomes the norm and or we really haven't discharged you know, so sometimes what happens is we may experience something rather frightening or traumatic experience it, but you don't actually discharge it because as soon as you experience it, something says, oh, you didn't experience that. Don't forget about it. Stop it. So what happens is instead of feeling it and letting it go, you feel it and, and jump out the territory. So it's left there. So particularly with things like you know, grief or anger that we haven't really been able to kind of, we've just been told we shouldn't feel it. So, when you're told you shouldn't feel a feeling that you're feeling, <laughs> what happens is you get a suppression program. S- comes in, just cans it, caps it. And gen- generally, I mean, the mind just jumps somewhere else, goes somewhere else. So, you get these, are, we might say these are dif- some of the programs, de- de- defective programs that we need to release. Mm. the aim of Buddhist practice is towards the asankata, the non-sankhara, the released the unprogrammed so in this it's very helpful to understand how the receptive mind, the heart and the body interrelate because both, they both experience feeling the body experiences feeling the affective mind experiences feeling Bodily feeling is pleasure, pain, neutral. Mental feeling is happiness, unhappiness, indifference, of that nature. So that, that's, that's the feeling, the tonality of it. And so that if we, um, you know, when you, when you feel genuinely uplifted and happy, you get, and that comes into your body, you get a sense of bodily uplift and buoyancy, and vice versa. So the two will talk to each other, or immediately correlate. That's significant because, you know, when there is threat, the body senses that, it immediately sends some very rapid signals. It reacts, you know, and you get this kind of charge rushes through the system. Charge of energy rushes through the system. So, you know, this way, the, the body and the mind. When they get triggered, when the signals arise, these energies flush through the body, mind, through the body and the mind. If they're not, if the mind forgets them, says, "Oh, doesn't matter, forget about it. It's not there. You didn't feel that. Good, stop it. Get over it." Yeah, you do that in your mind, but your body doesn't know how to do that. Your body. Because this doesn't do, so the body just freezes it, so you get these locked in bits of emotional stuff locked into your body. This is quite um, not unusual, (coughs) not unusual. It doesn't have to be, you know, the end of the world or deeply traumatic, but we do get senses, bodily senses of feelings rather blocked or. Choked or stuffed or uncertain or unsteady in ourselves, in a bodily sense. So the mind, the emotive mind and the affective body operate together. And however much one can skip and dart and forget and deny with your mind, you can't do that with the body. So, what happens in the body, you get a freeze pattern, things just get trapped there. Mm-hmm. so so to come out of that to begin to, to come out of that is just, again as I said this is not something that's necessarily associated with anything really you know very violent or, or, or extremely negative it's just pretty normal actually <laughs> but it's often of a fairly minor nature you know where something you still sort of slightly tight in your belly, or slightly tight in your throat, because you're feeling a bit sort of choked and sad, but you've got to hold yourself together for this time. And um, but if it is, if our personality gets created around what we've been able to control, this is the snake. <laughs> so the personality gets, you know, is, is often associated with the bits of our behavior that are acceptable that are relevant and acceptable to the social domain so our personality may very well be associated with the limitations of what we're allowed to express or feel socially and interactively so your personality can be unconsciously a kind of a limitation on your freedom hmm. you understand that yeah. this doesn't mean you're doing it deliberately it means it's the bits of you that are really okayed with everybody which I imagine there's there's a good amount of that it's okay bits of it probably could be rather frightening or threatening or embarrassing or awkward so we keep that yeah to ourselves, <laughs> which is okay, provided you know it. <laughs> you know, you don't have to kind of let it all hang out. But if your personality has become so that you don't even know it, you're not even allowed to know it yourself, then you are in sh*tuk. <laughs> you know, if it's if it's so. Uh, Unacceptable that you feel ashamed, or what, even ashamed just even you don't even know it. Like me, I'm fine, I don't suffer. (laughs) Everything's wonderful, you know. (laughs) There is no suffering. (laughs) And of course, no, none of us want to suffer. But when you realize, well, actually, there is suffering, isn't there? There is loss. There is bereavement. There is getting hurt. There is getting upset. There is these kinds of things. And there are aspects, you know, we have violence in us, potential for violence. We can be verbally violent, emotionally violent, physically violent. That's That's not okay. But I need to know that. I need to know that in myself if I know it myself I'll oh, hear it come right so I don't follow that Buddha yeah? said you don't it's not that you don't have harmful intentions you just know what they are <laughs> and you know how to kind of create a space that can let them be and let them discharge without them having to burst out into actions there's a difference between having a space that does it and having a a canning system that, that shuts it So what we really need to do, I'd suggest, is generate the space that allows us these kind of rather unfortunate, um, you know, aspects of what happens when our buttons get pushed to pop up, be felt, okay, here it is, breathe in, breathe out, just let that one roll away, roll it, merry little away, to cessation, <laughs> without me kind of doing a number on it or it doing a number on me, you know. Uh, and so that that is, uh, you know, certainly that that is what the Buddha advocates. You know, he says you're not a, you're not a noble person because you don't have any evil. You're a noble person because you 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 know evil when it arises in yourself. You know what it feels like. You know how it moves you know how to be with that you know how to let it pass and you know the place where it passes that's what I call an accomplished person you know, evil, unskillful, unhelpful stuff Mm. and we don't really need to, you know go into all kinds of details about that except that it's something you sense in yourself you sense that doesn't feel so so, um doesn't feel very good for me. It's also important to come out of the personality definition of what's good and bad, which again is socially conditioned. Because we can get very, very self-conscious about maybe I'm being a bit silly or a bit emotional or a bit tongue-tied, I'm not really much fun and that's all wrong and shameful and I should be something other than that, I should be bright. Cheerful, positive, on the ball, quick, witty, fun, you know, positive, affirmative, sympathetic, listening, patient, clear, conscious, fully comprehensive, sincere, integrated, and relaxed. And you got most of it, didn't you? You didn't get the relaxed, so fell at the last hurdle, you know? And if you're not those, you didn't make it. Sorry. (laughs) So that we can get very picky about, you know, we don't necessarily call them right or wrong, we feel wrong. We feel silly or we feel embarrassed or we feel ashamed or we feel not really coming up with the good stuff, a bit awkward. And those are the kind of small rights and wrongs that can actually trigger off these kind of closing. Feelings in ourselves, we get tongue tied, we feel butterflies in the stomach, we sort of feel a bit shivery, we feel silly and small, you know. You know, will a real perfect human being, please stand up. <laughs> I want to see who you are. <laughs> then I could, you know, take a model from you. Actually, you're all perfect you. human beings. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me but then, you know, in your own self oh dear and uh, that, that needs to be re- released because that that kind of sense if you don't know it and you don't understand it and you don't release it that feeds right into your meditation that feeds right into your meditation back, back in the mind is some sense of needing to be a perfect being and you ain't it needing to be good and you're not it you needing to get somewhere and you haven't done it yet now, if you haven't released these programs, they just go right into your meditation. And your meditation becomes an unconscious attempt to be this ghost, this angel of perfection. Uh, and as you're doing that you go right into the control driven, ashamed, not good enough stuff. Yeah. And it's completely convincing. Sankaras are totally convincing. they're like insurance salesmen. <laughs> one comes to your door and you know it. after a while, you realize, "My goodness, I need this, I need to buy this. <laughs> My life is not worthwhile without this. It's impossible you know? So and we buy it, <laughs> and we buy another one so So you know. You know, after a while maybe practicing, practicing a while and you start to think hey come on this doesn't feel very good <laughs> somehow I'm always kind of running to make you know, I never get there you know and uh, all this trying to become something you know become a good meditator all that is actually I felt better when I wasn't doing it <laughs> I felt kind of more aware and spacious and grounded when I wasn't meditating. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with meditation. Meditation is just running some, going through some systems. But if your background programming is kicking into that, then it intensifies and authenticates, even sanctifies some of these dysfunctional programs. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas it can be a chance when you you touch into, you know, and, and get in touch with some rather lovely things and dwell in those. That's the possibility. But, you know, if you don't, if you're unconsciously running some of this other stuff, the chances are that that will be the, that will take over, that will have its big effects in the meditation. So you've got to be on the lookout for those kind of those programs they tend to have a sense of you ought to or you can't or you never or you always you know. they've got a familiar fun, funny familiarity but It's a familiarity that is sad <laughs> you know it's not deeply grievous it may be just a kind of sad dog-eared quality to it like well-thumbed familiarity of oh well Keep going, you know. <laughs> yeah. and you, then so the sense of Well, what's happening in the body then? Do you feel buoyant, bright, alive, vibrant? No. So sort of probably the body largely disappears, so you get into the sort of crumpled fetal position, you know, where a lot of the energy of the body is closed down, or you get rigid. Or maybe you start to, to feel a certain tightening in your shoulders, closing in your chest, breathing is no longer loose or free, it's got a certain tightness to it. Get a maybe strongly head-centered, feeling that like you're trying to do it, your forehead begins to knot up, so you're making the effort to do it. You know? People who, you know, remember one I don't think it's unusual, but the man, I was talking to. He you know, did. A, I think it was one of his retreats. He was con- concentrating. He just said every time he did a retreat, the first two days he just developed these blinding headaches. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't deliberate. It's almost like the program just kicked in. Of try to get there, and you know, it doesn't necessarily register. Vision. You can't necessarily see the furrowing but there's a kind of a, a energy, energy pattern furrowing in the head like a tightening in the head with the effort to get this to work to, and that's sort of associated with anything you know one does academically particularly in a deliberate process It's a certain tightening in the head that occurs when it's serious and you know this is important work to do right take serious because you've got exams to pass and get this right so you get this kind of tightening tightening up you run that for you know 10 hours, 12 hours solid over a period of 3 days you get headaches for sure um, and yet there is meditation liberation very important <laughs> don't fool around you know this is serious work um things you need to understand to <laughs> make a big effort, persevere don't give up, don't be weak diligent, no room for weaklings diligent you know, be prepared to battle the forces of life and death pain and so forth so all this psyching uh, unfortunately has the effect to run, to run into these these programs that actually don't Lead out. They don't lead out. And language has different effects in different cultures, depending on what your cultural background is. And what those words really mean when they come from the Buddha's talking about his experience, he's trying to put that in words. What they meant to him, what they meant to the people he was talking to. Yeah? Maybe if you just if your day is spent planting a bit of rice or washing a water buffalo, maybe the sense of, you know, put forth some effort isn't gonna tend you up in your head, tighten your head up. It maybe you feel right, you know, a little bit more kinda of interested. Who knows? And you translate that from these Indian dialects into contemporary English usage. Another set of translations occur. And what's those English words doing to you? And do you, you know, what do they mean in this culture? When it says, make an effort. What does that mean to you? How, where's your effort centered? Where's your effort going to come from? When you read these words, it's going to go right into your head, isn't it? And we say, yeah, you do make an effort. But the effort is perhaps, first of all, Get in touch with how you're feeling. Tune in. You know. Feel out your body. That takes a, some application, certainly. And then, where does it feel tight? Relax. What's happening for you now? Where's the good? It takes an effort. It takes to sensitise to where's the good in you? Where's the comfortable? Where's the at ease? Where's the natural in you? Stay with that takes effort to stay with it to keep coming back and return it, to hold it carefully you could say it takes effort application when you feel like you know getting drawn into other things just stop check go back to what is good peaceful stay that it. It takes a kind of an effort doesn't it to check to return to cultivate to treasure to stay with that's a certain sense of application is required there. We might say that's a skillful condition, skillful program, Mm. program that leads into Dhamma. So there are programs that lead into Dhamma and programs that lead into personal conditioning, social, personal conditioning. And you want to be clear about which way it's going. However, the words sound, however, my words sound. It's up to you to know where they're landing and if they're landing the wrong place, don't follow them. You know, give it some time, follow the bits that that, that are good and healthy for you. Mm. So because the affective mind, the verbal mind, the thinking mind affects the affective emotional mind, yeah. You know, you think a word like savage, or stupid, or wonderful, or disgraceful, and you get a certain charge occurs in your heart. Very, some of these terms are very evocative, you know, justice and freedom and, you know, these kinds of rights. Right is a very strong word, <laughs> isn't it? Right. Means now, because I'm right, I <laughs> have the authority to do whatever, <laughs> do harm to you. <laughs> so you know, the verbal mind affects the emotional mind. The emotional mind resonates in the body, and the body kind of holds the pattern. You get the locked pattern, as you know, when people start getting dogmatic you can swatch it in their face the, the eyes start to bulge jaw starts to lock receptors shut down altogether. together <laughs> you think well, well just wait on this one you know <laughs> not going to get through here no point in fighting with this one just get so these body effects and we need to in a way uh, realise the mind can be liberated by the body the thinking gets liberated by the emotions. And the thinking can be used to keep gently directing us into the process. So you've got this kind of yoking together these three faculties with the overriding aim to unlock, to release, to open. Anywhere you open and unlock and release, emotion, anywhere, either on an emotional basis, you forgive, you relax. You start again. Emotional, psychological basis. You unlock from your got to do, got to be, got to make it work. You give and say, no, I don't have to make it work. It's all right. You know, unlock emotionally, unlock somatically in terms of your bodily intelligence. Um, that will certainly, uh, you know, your your sense the quality of. Opening into something more wider and expansive that you will enjoy. You will enjoy it, you'll, you'll want to be there. You'll enjoy that sense of yourself, your grandeur, your humor, your serenity, your spaciousness. And you say, Ah, oh, yes, this is what I was doing this for. Mm. Yeah. Not for another program, but to unprogram. So, and breathing in and out is kind of a, we might say, our base reference, the thing we always come back to, to, particularly to work on the subtler aspects of where there's um, unevenness in energy, unevenness in the body, unevenness in the mind. It's a kind of, once you establish the uh, balanced and appropriate breathing, Once that becomes settled, then that acts, it generates a particular emotional tone of trust and ease and at-homeness. You know, an ordinary at-home. You know, like, here I am, I'm comfortable, I'm at home, you know, I'm not hyped up. You know, I I can invigorate and I can release. You know, that sense of you feel fluent. Um, and then that tone is a, when you detect that that tone transferring into the mind that's the tone that you want to be able to access when some of the more difficult or strange or habitual stuff starts running so that you can sense that that, that tone and you say uh, just like it's standing beside you, or standing behind you, or standing with you, and you feel that tone. You're going into your kind of little bit of weirdness, and you're starting to take it all seriously. And how I am, and I shouldn't, and I never will, and I always won't, and how could I, and it's important. You know, this. Thing. And sometimes you go, "Hey, hey, excuse me. <laughs> 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 excuse me." <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. Excuse me, excuse me. Hello. I know you're very busy right now <laughs> <laughs> suffering and winding yourself up, you know. And it's important for you. But just remember I'm here too. <laughs> you go Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well that was silly, wasn't it? <laughs> You know, so you, ah, how's that? And you, and you touch it. You don't have to make any kind of, you know, judgment about one's own little piece of madness. You know, it's all there for us, isn't it? But, well, there's something that goes, that's just another program. It's just another program, isn't it? And you go, you don't have to buy the policy And you go, oh yeah. And that's where it ends. Not in aversion or denial or defense or destruction or just in the sense of (laughs) it's just another (laughs) program. And you can be bigger than this. (laughs) Yeah. But often the thing is that personality doesn't necessarily know that that, that big space, that grandeur. So sometimes we don't, fe- we don't feel we can be bigger than this. Or maybe we feel we're going to do some sort of special thing to make ourselves into that, you know. But I don't think so. I don't think so. it's a very generous quality the, the, the sacredness, the big space, if you like um, so it's quite available just the moment, that moment of so, if it's there, something you've tuned into maybe, and often the, the doorway maybe just that, that mental recognition emotional recognition but I think a lot of the time it requires a little bit of a just a kind of shift and the shift occurs through the body that is you sense yourself gradually getting busier and busier up in your head and your eyes and you think hey what happened to my solar plexus and you go oh he's kind of getting a bit tight why don't I just, just oh, open that up and it's almost like you pull the plug and energy descends moves around feels a little bit unsteady for a second or two and then you, know, you come out of that cuz the uh, somatic the bodily aspect of that particular program it's rather like you unplug mm. and uh, there can be that um, return like a return So that's an outline, a kind of sketchy and perhaps too simple, mm-hmm. but simple is good. Mm-hmm. Is sort of the model I'd like to um, explore with you and over today, maybe tomorrow, At least so you get a little bit familiar with it what, it, what it means in your own terms, what it means in your own terms, it works for you.